Hello and welcome back to another episode of Artsy Fartsy Immigrants. I am riding solo yet again this week. Uh, Mo was unfortunately really ill uh, again recently, but thankfully not with corona, but instead with uh, these flu-like symptoms. I do hope the bat will fly again soon. Uh, but hello everybody, how are you? Uh, this is your host, Jordan Prince, and I'm currently... In Oberstdorf. That's right. I'm in Oberstdorf, the most southern tip of Germany, just about. Uh, I'm looking out this window, uh, and you might hear a little bit of reverb. Reverb! It's kind of nice. Um, so that if you hear that reverb, that's, that's because I'm in this giant apartment building uh, here in the mountains. I have probably one of the most beautiful views in the world <laughs> up here. Um, back a few years ago, I had a lot of friends. Uh, I think I've trying to think of where my parents stayed back in 2018. If they stayed up here, no, they stayed. Oh no, 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 no. My, my family stayed in a hotel. Um, but I had a lot of friends staying in this apartment building back in 2018 and it's so cool. It's, um, it's basically like my family-in-law has this, um, big apartment complex that they built, um, as part of this company that they run, uh, that the dad runs and people come and stay through here for business. They, if they have a meeting or something, they come and they stay here like, you know, for the week for a conference or whatever. Um, but the cool thing is they, there's a few people who live kind of in and around this year round. And then there's like three apartments in this building that are always free, uh, for such occasions. And we get to block dates sometimes. And every time I stay here, I like it. Um, there's this one particular apartment that's, um, kind of big and that's the one that I'm in right now. If you can't tell, <laughs> uh, there's two slightly smaller ones, but they're still really nice. And then this one is a little bigger. It's got a second story to it. That's where all the reverb comes from. I'm in the living room now. It's really like a very livable apartment. I think if I, I mean, come on, of course it's a very livable apartment. It's huge. But, um, I think if, you know, if, if I was going to pick an apartment that, um, the space of which I could be comfortable living in forever, if I had to like be forced, but at, gun, at gunpoint, you have to choose an apartment to live in the rest of your life. Um, I could, this one would be on the list. I could choose it because um, it's got a very nice big living room space um, where you can dine, wine and dine your friends and family. Big space in the floor for kids to play. There's a big upstairs part, you know, with like beanbag chairs and games and stuff. And there's another bed up there. Um, and it's cool. I mean, the only problem really is that the kitchen's too small, but who am I to complain, huh? Who am I to complain? Excuse me. I uh, still have some phlegm in my throat because I was sick a couple of weeks ago. I lost my voice a little bit when I came back from America, but um, I feel back on my A game now. I sang a lot over the weekend. I wanted to talk a little bit about that. So um, over the weekend, man, I had the best little mini tour for those who follow me on Instagram. I think it, it showed on Facebook as well, but I had this, basically this nonstop three-day back-to-back uh, sold-out concert tour. Um, I played in a group with my father-in-law. He has a band um, where he 
He takes popular songs. Let's, for example, let's say like a Bob Dylan song, like um, uh, "It Ain't Me, Babe," and he takes he takes the song. It's the same melody and the same chords. It's a Bob Dylan song, but he writes his own lyrics. So he just he just steals the 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 music and writes his own lyrics uh, in his own dialect and sings his own stories. And it's, it's a cool idea. It's kind of like a, a, a balance. Of, it's like, <laughs> it's, if you didn't know that it was cover songs, you'd think you're playing with like one of the world's greatest songwriters because it's all these beautiful, amazing, well-written, sculpted songs that, have, that you, you've heard your whole life. You know, Bob Dylan songs, John Prine, uh, Warren Sivan, The Beatles, um, and, you know, Hendrix. Like, it goes on and on. It's like all these great songs. But... Um, in my case, I don't understand a single word that's said, which is especially funny because sometimes I sing backing harmonies and I'm like, right now I'm just singing the sounds. I don't really know what's, what's being said. Sometimes I ask, but not every time. Um, yeah. And it was really fun. So he has this little group. Um, I had the pleasure of playing on a CD with him. Um, the group is called the Huelita Six, the I'll say that slower because I know my mom is listening. The Hoalite, like H-O-A-L-I-T-T-E, the Hoalite, uh, which is the name of the street where this little cabin was where we recorded the album. And the first one was called the Hoalite Fia, uh, which I think is either because it was it was four people or because four is the house number. But this one was the Hoalite Six because it is six people playing. Uh, and the special thing about it was because uh, he brought in me, uh, my friend Marcus, who is uh, a whole different level of talented. He plays, He uh, for those who, who understand um, German entertainment, he, he's played the Nockebag, um more than once with his entertainment partner, Maxi Schaffroth, um, who um, who's also a friend of mine and uh, is actually kind of related to Ify in a weird way. I'll, I'll get to all that later. But anyway, um, so he brought in Marcus as well to play guitar and... Um, of course, the one and only Tim Hecking, which, uh, who has been on this podcast before and who I talk about all the time because we've recorded everything that I've worked on personally together. Um, yeah, so if you know me, you most likely know Tim Hecking. And it was just the cool thing to have this project of like really great, beautiful songs, songs I've heard my whole life that I love to listen to and play, be brought in because I have a quote-unquote specialty or some sort of talent that he likes. Um I'm happy that I get to contribute something because when you're in the presence of people like Marcus or Tim, it's a whole different world. You feel, I don't want to say that you feel challenged or competitive. It's really not that, but you feel that you have to be on your A game because these guys are the best of the best. And if you're going to be three acoustic guitars, you have to contribute something, right? So I feel like my strength in that department because I'm not a soloist at all. I don't have that strength. Um, I would need much more practicing time and, and the energy, you know, to, to want to be a soloist. I, ha- I have that jealousy sometimes that I don't have more of a grasp on soloing. Um, if there's a stretch of a song on my own albums that I want to solo, I have to record the, the strumming guitar part, the, the progression, and then I have to loop it and I have to write a solo. It will not be improvised. It is written down. And that's been the same for all of any solos I've ever done on any of my albums. Uh, has always been written note for note. Every single note was written and planned. 
uh, never improvised in the moment and been like, oh, this is great. We should keep it. Um, if I do have a thought or it, or I hear something in the moment, like, oh, what if we, what if it went like, or whatever, I usually just say, play that, Tim. And he'll go like, oh, okay. So um, if I wanted, I needed to try and contribute something to this album because I can't solo the way that Marcus can and the way that Tim really can. Uh, they both have such a special, different talent. Like Tim has this a uh, complete understanding in his blood of how all music works, every style. So if it's blues or if it's classical or if it's rock or if it's folk or if it's country or even hip hop, like everything, he just has this ear for it. He's the only guy I know that tunes all of his instruments without a tuner, um, which is almost, it's a little pretentious to be honest, but it's really impressive. I mean, he's, he's earned the, the right to do that because he can, he tunes everything by ear, which is really crazy. Um, and then Marcus, he also is a great soloist, but he's m- much more compartmentalized into classical and jazz. That's what he studied for like 14 years. He, he just finished school and now he's going to become a music teacher. So his focus has always been like conducting and composition and classical and jazz. And that's what he does. So his, his solos are always a little more jazzy and a little more structured. Uh, Tim has a lot of fluency. It's a little bit more rock style. And so what do I contribute, right? But I guess my strength is, um, or I'm going off what people tell me, which is the, um, I think personally that my strength with, and the reason I was probably invited to this group is, um, I think I have a great sense of keeping time, which sounds boring, (laughs) but is very important. Um, Keeping people in a rhythm or like understanding, hearing a song, how fast or slow it is, and then being able to replicate that later. Um, which sounds easy, but isn't always easy. Sometimes you're, you're nervous or you're, uh, not thinking straight or something, and it always comes off slower or faster and the band has to adjust. But I, I think I, I tend to have this ear for this is the speed that the song is at. Even if I can't say like, oh, it's 116 beats per minute. And my, I just have the feel and I think I can lock, um, a tempo down for people, you know, anyway, that's one thing I think. And the other thing I guess is finger picking and singing. Um, I, I think I've gotten pretty good at finger picking. Um, if you know my songs like Parade or Count on Me or High's Cool, I'm finger picking in these songs, and I think that's gotten better over time. And I think that's that's something that I, I have that's kind of a subconscious. It's not this really um, difficult effort anymore to to do that sort of thing. And I think my singing's gotten better over time. So I do sing a lot of backing harmonies in this group and the way that the set list worked for these concerts was that um it was a lot of songs but the songs were shorter than i than i thought in the rehearsals which is funny um it was like 23 songs a show three shows in, uh, in a row and every guitar player special guest in the group got their own song so tim had a song marcus had a song and i had a song and i felt very special in this series of concerts because Marcus and Tim both played instrumental pieces. They're not really singers. Um, Tim and Marcus can sing some backing harmonies, very pretty simple things, but they're not like lead singers. And they would say that too. Um, They have much more talent in their fingers. And so Tim wrote an original piece that reminded me very much of Paul Simon. The song was called America 
<laughs> of all things. And it was this beautiful, like, open road adventure through the pine trees and on the open highway and with the windows down and denim jackets. It was really beautiful. And then Marcus had an original piece. Oh, no, no, sorry. Marcus did a piece from his school. So that was also a different piece. You, could, you know, that's also the difference between them is that Tim is a, is a musician who creates original pieces. And Marcus is more of like the studied type who can replicate things that he's been educated on very well. Um, and he played this very popular um, sort of classic jazz blues track called Mercy, 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 which is a beautiful instrumental piece. And it's very difficult to play. It's a lot of melody and bass at the same time. I don't know. He really sounded like two guitars. It's really crazy. And then I felt special because I I had like three songs that I just randomly would select in my head. I was like, okay, I can either choose Smilin' from my most recent album, or I will choose Most Famous Surprise or Count On Me from my the album previous, which is 12 Songs for 12 Friends. And I thought, yeah, I'll do one of those one of those three, because it fits the, it fits the style of the other songs. I mean, we're, we're playing all these folky acoustic sort of rock songs. So, um, one of those three fits in this without being too different. I wouldn't want to play a song like necessarily simple swimmer, or I wish I hadn't got stoned or something that's just too different for this crowd. And, um, I'm trying to say I felt special because he, Joseph, the lead, the lead band guy, he never, lead band guy the father-in-law he never let me just play one song um the first night it was because the audience this sounds funny coming out of me but the audience demanded a second song and that was so nice and I hadn't really prepared a second one at that time I just thought oh I better pick one of these three I don't know but I'll just try it and I actually messed up a little bit but I don't think anybody really noticed um but let me talk a bit about the audiences. So each one was very different because the locations were very different. We didn't play, of all places, we didn't play here in Oberstdorf. We didn't play in the hometown. But we played in, uh, you know, honestly, I would have to look. Let me look here real quick at the at the flyer. There was a flyer for the concerts, which I think I have. It was three towns in the Iogoi. Here it is, in the Algoy. So Friday was in Forda Hindelang, Forda Hindelang, uh, which was maybe like half an hour of driving. And then, and it was, I'll talk about that one first. This was an, yeah, in, in Forda Hindelang, this was like a restaurant, tavern, bar place. But it was a big room. I thought it was a really nice space. It was a every concert was seated, which I think is best for shows like this. If the band is seated, I think the audience should be seated too. I think it just makes more sense. But there was at the first place, it was like this restaurant bar. So they had it was cool. You you walk through and there's like the the beer pouring things and there's outside tables and places where people can drink and smoke. And you go through and there's the, the restaurant part which was, I don't know how many tables, but b- lots of big tables, like 12-seater tables, six-top, eight-top booths on the sides. And it fit like 120 people total. And that room, it sold out. All, I'm oh, sorry, all three of the shows sold out. So that was really cool. And so this room, 
we got on this really tiny stage, but the sound was good. The Everything felt good. It was cozy. Um, we had just enough space. Everyone looked really fresh and looked good. And they were, you know, giving us free dinner and free drinks. And that was really nice. And the audience was just a great, like, party crowd. They were all, it was a Friday night. Everyone was drinking, going out. You know, we were the entertainment for this evening out. And that's such a great feeling as opposed to sometimes like a weekday audience or a Sunday night audience is a little stiff because they don't want to drink as much because they got to get up early. So they just come for the music. And sometimes it's a bit more serious. Um, You have the risk of that more often, which is normal, but it's not always as much fun as a Friday, Saturday show because these people are going out. They're like, I'm getting my, my stress out from the week here with you. You know, it's like such an honor. I'm spending this time, this energy on you, this money on you, so let's have a good time. And that's always such a such a blast, you know. And that first crowd um, was really this. It was a it was a wide mix of people. There was like um, even a couple of little kids there with their parents, which was kind of fun. Uh, all the way into like a good bit of young crowd, like a good handful of people between probably eighteen and thirty five like a good youthful crowd, young girls, uh, young guys, everybody looking good, going out, being fresh. Uh, and then there was a, a wide variety of, of course, like older people, um, people in the, you know, 70s, a um, couple of people in their 80s, and then, you know, like the majority probably between like 40 and 60, which is normal for these kinds of events. Um because the guys I'm playing in the, in the group with, you know, I'm the, I'm the kid in the group, which I love that. Because <laughs> as, as I coast through my 30s, I feel older and older. But being in that group, I'm still the kid. So that's great. Uh, and these guys are all, um, Joseph, he's 60 or 61 now. Um, I think the drummer is also probably 60. The bass player is probably 50. Uh, Tim is 40 something and Marcus is 39. He turns 40 this year. So I'm, you know, at least by eight years, I'm younger. So, um, so the group, you know, the audience matches that there's, you know, mostly people between like 40 and 60. So anyway, anyway, um, and it was a really good blast of a time. We, we, we started off the songs, we were playing everything. I was being, I was a little conservative at first because I was a little nervous. You know, this was like my first real packed out concert, you know, with no Corona mandates, like really going for it that I've had in a long time. And the feeling was phenomenal. Uh, and the audience was so engaged and laughing at all of Yosef's jokes. He, he's such a great host and entertainer everyone really ate out of the palm of his hand he had everybody he could make anybody laugh at any point and he did he had everybody rolling we did jokes he was interacting with me as like this novelty foreigner and and like making jokes about the german language and about culture shock and it was great it was so such a good show you know there's music and then there's the show and it was a great show um, and then we did, um, we did the songs. Then we got to the solo pieces. Tim d- decided on the first show to not do his solo piece. I think he didn't feel quite ready yet. Marcus did his, it went really well. And then I did mine. I did smiling and I felt so proud of myself because I haven't performed in front of people in so long, but I really, and I never talk about myself like this, but I really think I sung my heart out and I think it went really well. 
And the people like demanded a second song, which was the best feeling when you're gone from concerts for so long and you come back and you have a show like this that's sold out, the vibe is good, there's young people there drinking, they're cheering you on, they're stomping on the floor, beating the tables, asking you to sing more. I should have brought merchandise, you know. It's not my band, so I didn't bring CDs or vinyls or something. I should have because it was really a much, um, it was really a great, 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 great audience and I probably could have sold some albums. Um, I ended up bringing albums to the next two shows, but I didn't sell so much. I think the first show would have been the perfect one to bring things to. Um, and our, we had a we had a bus driver. It was like a real band tour. We had this guy who um, we had a bus and a guy, uh, a hired driver, so we could drink, you know. And he drove us there and back and uh, to every show. And he was this quiet, you know, regional bus driver, tough kind of type guy. And I thought, oh, you know, he's probably been through a lot of things. He's kind of tough, you know. And uh, I didn't think he spoke any, I don't really th- think he speaks much English at all. I don't, I don't expect anybody here in the, in the smaller towns to, to speak any English. So I'm always surprised when someone does. There was this one lady who was in like her late thirties and she was fluent, like she'd lived abroad for a long time. And that's always really surprising and, and, and refreshing. Um, and this driver guy, I played my song. They demanded a second one. I played Most Famous Surprise. And then they were so nice and so sweet. And I was so flattered and like flushed, you know, and sweating like crazy. <laughs> and uh, we played until the middle track. We have a song that we take a break after. And we took the break and I jumped off the stage and went to go uh, get a new beer and pee. And the driver, he stops me. He puts his hand in my chest and he says, young man. You really impressed me. And I was like, oh, thank you so much, sir. You know, and like he gave me a hug. <laughs> it was so nice. I was like, thank you so much. Wow, thank you. Donkey, donkey, donkey. Um, yeah, and then this other guy also stopped me and he was really nice. Apparently, he's like this well-known performer in this region and he's like a singer. And he was like, has anyone ever told you before that you have a beautiful tenor? I was like, most people just say you have a girl's voice. So being told you have a beautiful tenor, <laughs> it's kind of refreshing. <laughs> and so that was really nice. Um, and then, you know, that show was just a was just a great party from then on out. Um, everyone drank. Everyone had a blast. Um, and the songs went really well. And I was really happy to be there. Cut to, um, it's the second day. And we are driving to Fellheim. Uh, let me make sure I said that right. Fellheim, yeah. And this one was a very different atmosphere with a very different venue, a very different crowd. Still went really well. I was very happy with it. Um, sorry. But it was very different. And I'll, t- I'll tell you why. So in my opinion, when you play like a tavern or a venue, like a club, like... Um, this comes out Thursday. I I will have just last night played. Um, I will have just last night played an actual like rock music venue in Munich, uh, supporting this band Pine Grove. And that's a very like all of these things are very different feelings and crowds and atmospheres. I, I can't tell you as of this recording what the audience was like or anything. You know, I, I'll have to talk about it next week. But um, usually the tavern bar people, if they're a good audience, it's the best one. 
And then you have the rock venue, like the club, the rock, the music club venues, like the official ones that you, they have a big stage. It's the main focal point. You have to buy a ticket before you can get in, these sort of things. Um, that's the second best because that's still people like guided with the intention of watching live music and listening to it. And sometimes they dance and they want to enjoy themselves. Weekday performances are always harder, like I said, because they don't want to drink as much. And so they, they're a little more serious. They leave a little earlier. It's okay. Sometimes it's great. Sometimes it's not, but that's always more of a risk. And then the third one, uh, the more diff- most difficult crowd, the most hard one for me to um, adjust to is the one we had for the second night, which is why I think it was the funkiest of the shows. It wasn't the best of the three. And that was because we played a synagogue. Um, we played a straight up, like several hundred year old, at least I think, synagogue in this small town that was an hour away from here called Felheim. That was the name of the town. And the cool thing about this show was that it was basically where Marcus's whole crew comes from. Like all of his family came, his cousins, his sister, his mom and dad, all of his friends from school. They were so happy to see him in this. And of course that, that concert sold out too. I was happy about that. I was, thinking it was going to be a lot more seats. I thought it was going to be also maybe like 120, 150 people. I think in general, it was just under 100, which is cozy, which nothing wrong with that. It's still sold out, which is cool. Um, but I thought it would be like a very, very full room, but there was still like a good a good amount of space at, behind the last row that I thought, oh, they could have put like two more rows of chairs. Because um, the more people you have in the room, the more the, I don't know, you just have this vibe in the room, like this good energy. And if it feels even a little bit empty, you kind of feel like, oh, you know, even though every seat was filled. So I don't know. It's weird. I'm weird. But so it's a synagogue, right? And it's not only a synagogue, it's a synagogue in Germany. And what kind of music do people see in synagogues in Germany? Well, I'm glad you asked. Usually it's contemporary or very, very old-fashioned classical music, which people take very seriously here. You know, it's um, a, a highly advanced, deeply studied, high, you know, most respected genre of music here in Germany, like classical piano, quartets, choirs, all this stuff. is It's, it's the number one. It's the number one. And so that stuff is played in synagogues, and they take it very seriously. And the other kind of music... Um, you know, sometimes as like private, you know, also very serious, like professional jazz concerts. Usually it's instrumental, serious, technical, educated, upper class sort of music stylings. And these songs, you know, this is like Bob Dylan tracks, uh, Jimi Hendrix songs, people, you know, Joseph sings about a, a variety of things. Sometimes the lyrics he sings about because I've asked him what the stories are for almost every song. And sometimes the stories are, um, you know, sometimes it is a beautiful love song, something, a story about getting older and reflecting on life. And uh, there's a song about his father. Sometimes it is a beautiful, serious, you know, somber song. Sometimes it's goofy and about getting drunk and like farting around. You know, it's just it's rock Rock songs have a big variety of, you know, shit that they talk about. Um, and it, so it, does, it doesn't always seem to fit in a synagogue. And the other thing about that, too, is my mother-in-law came to that show and she uh, was a classical music teacher. She's a trained classical musician. She plays clarinet and flute and bassoon and piano and violin, all this stuff. Um, 
and like seeing her music room in her house is so intimidating. She has a Steinway piano and books and books and books of Beethoven and Mozart and Chopin and Mahler and like all this really intimidating stuff like charts everywhere. She has quartets that she practices with. She takes it very seriously. And so when I found out she was coming, I was like, oh shit, like Sylvia's coming. I've got to really be good and be on point. And I think everyone just in a synagogue, I think you just kind of have that feeling like, oh, this, this is a musical performance, you know, and there was a little tiny little, you know, fold out table in the back for some wine and champagne and stuff. But I mean, it wasn't like people were there to drink. It was, it was still a Saturday night, but it was just a very serious, I don't know, it was just serious. You know what I mean? Um, different feeling. I think we had some nerves. Um, the sound had a couple of issues as well, which I think added to the nerves. So I think personally, I think the first half of the show was a little stressful and I don't think it was our best. I think we had some sound issues. Sometimes uh, a guitar wasn't amplified and we didn't really understand why. Sometimes a microphone would go out. We didn't really understand why. We tried to fix things as we went, but um, really we just tried to play our best. And there was a few moments. I, th- I think, uh, I wouldn't say this was a flop. I still sold two albums at that show. I think from the from the midpoint on, it was a great show. Now, I say that selfishly because um, it was the same set list as the night before, right? I get to the point where I play my solo song, and then I was asked to play a second song, and then we have the band song just before the break. So all that stuff is just right before the break. And um, it was a great feeling. The funny thing was I had this epiphany and I talked about it with Efi and I talked about it with a few other people. I've been playing music in this region for these people off and on for about seven years. The, the festivals they have here, um, I've, I've booked concerts in this region. I've done, I've done tours like through here and stuff. It's really seemed like only until last weekend that anybody listened. It was kind of weird. Like, I don't, I I don't know. It's so strange. I've played so much music here, but only on these three shows did people actually listen because they really seemed to like love it. Not saying that it's always been great or that I haven't maybe gotten better over time, but it's just that feeling where it's like, like, oh, like, oh yeah, this, oh, Jordan, oh, he can sing. Oh, these are his songs. And I was like, yeah, guys, like, (laughs) come on. I've been trying to do that, but trying to break into the scene for so long now. Like you're trying to get everybody to, to listen or enjoy it, you know? Um, but what I am, I, I'm very, yeah, you anyway, know, I'm thankful for, for, for their, their change of mind, uh, for sure. But the show, like I got to my solo songs again, um, and we were, we were playing well, but it wasn't like our best. And the, the, everyone was a little nervous. Like some of Yosef's jokes were a little like flopping a little bit. Um, I think Tim was a little nervous. I was a little overthinking piece, a little nervous about my little, you know, where I was supposed to stand out, I was nervous. But then I got to my songs and I just, again, I just sang my heart out and I could hear that it was really good because I was a bit off of the mic. So I I, I pushed my voice harder. Like um, for those who don't know, um, I, I think I talked about it on my Ego FM radio show, but I don't know if I talked about it specifically on here. But I... Um, I had like quit smoking, 
and had and was vaping for for a long time and then i had quit vaping but then secretly like and only i was i didn't even tell like my best friends you know or whatever but i was secretly vaping again uh within the past year or so uh, and it was getting more and i hated that i was uh, i was doing it in shame and i was hiding it and i was embarrassed and i felt gross and sneaky and I felt bad you know and so I officially again like really officially like really properly openly and I'm so happy and comfortable to talk about it I really quit officially quit I took the vape and you know popped it in half and put it inside of you know like this disgusting dirty old bag and threw it in the bottom of a trash can and just said I'm done I'm, I'm really done if I come back in the middle of the night and take this nasty, sweaty, gross, stinky bag open to, to get this out, it means I ha- it means I have a problem, and I don't want to do that. I'm not going to do it, and I didn't. And I I've been clean uh, for a few months, and I think that's contributed to me singing better, and singing. Uh, uh, well, first off, I have more breath, <laughs> which is a great um, tool if to have as a singer is being able to breathe. Um, but I have more strength in my voice. And I think maybe these concerts were just the first ones I've had since I've gained that strength back. Um, cause I've always sang very soft, but I think I don't really want to do that anymore. Or I want to have a better balance, you know, not only soft singing, but maybe pushing really hard when I can, and then using softness as a, a tool to make more intimate lyrics uh, as intimate as possible whatever. That's just nerdy technical stuff. But I think, yeah, I think that contributed to it. And what I did was at the synagogue, I had the the solo songs and it went really well. I could feel that it was going well. And then we had the band song and then we had the break. And I ended up talking to this guy, Maxi Schaffrott, who is um, a very successful, very well-known entertainer, uh, in, in, especially in Bavaria. They, he and Marcus, his music partner, play all over Germany. So for those who don't know Maxi at all, uh, he's an actor and he does a live stage show that's, um, from what I understand, because I've never been to one of his shows because it's in German, but from what I understand, it's like, uh, they call it cabaret here, but I think cabaret in English means something else. It's like a variety comedy show. He he tells stories, he talks, he makes political humor, he does characters. Uh, Marcus sits on the stage with a guitar and sometimes does background music for jokes or um, emphasizes things with music. And it sounds like a great show. And he's hosted this very, very big event in Bavaria once or twice. I know that Marcus has performed at this event a few times, but I don't know if it was with Maxi. But Maxi um, has hosted at least once, but maybe twice. The, it's called the Nockerberg. And I don't really, I've, I've, I've watched some of it. I watched a lot of Maxi's performance uh, last year because it, it went over really well. He did some very, 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 very like boundary pushing political humor. The, the, all the politicians are there, like the, the, the mayor and the president and all this stuff. It's like the, it's like the, um, the White House Correspondents Dinner. It's like that. And he hosted that. So that was a big deal. Um, and so I saw him there and some of his family was there and they all were there, you know, to see Marcus. 
and I know Maxie because he's kind of Ify's cousin. He, uh, his dad is her uncle's brother. So they're not really like blood cousins, but they are related. And they are sometimes at the same family functions. And I've known Maxie for a while because of Marcus, because I met Marcus first, like as a friend. And then I met Maxie and then I was like, oh, okay, 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 okay. doesn't really matter. Point is he was there. And this was also the first time that I felt really seen by him. Like I've known him for a while, but we weren't, weren't we never really like had a reason to hang out or something. He's this professional actor. He's in movies. He's got doing these big events. So I was always impressed with him, but I, he was always at a distance. I thought, oh, there's Maxie. Yeah, that's cool. And we would talk sometimes like at Marcus's wedding, we talked a little bit and I've seen him sometimes like outside of, you know, events or restaurants or something in Munich sometimes. And anyway, he was there and he was so nice and so complimentary. And he like burst into the backstage and was like, Jordan, your voice. I had no idea. I had no idea. And he was really open and really friendly and was saying like, oh, I, I, I hearing you, I had these ideas. You and me and Marcus should do things together. We should do. Sometimes, and I have to say this, sometimes I get nervous when people that I don't know so well explode into ideas of things we should do together because sometimes it sounds like what I call Hollywood talk. You know, you see a film by somebody and you're like, oh man, you're the best filmmaker. Let's write something together. Let's make a film. Let's make a movie. But of course it doesn't really happen. You're just excited in the moment. And, um, I don't know Moxie that well. So when he came in with this loaded, this loaded gun of like, we have to do performances together. We should meet, we should talk about ideas. We should brainstorm. Uh, of course it's exciting and it's very flattering. I mean, it's so nice to hear that from anybody. Um, but I'm going to, keep my patience and see what happens down the road. Um, we did exchange phone numbers and we did text the next day a little bit about like, thank you for coming. And he was like, Oh, it was great. We have to meet. So that was nice. Um, and then, but this, the really the sweetest thing from that synagogue show was that, um, like I said, his dad is Ify's uncle's brother. And that uncle of Ify's, his name is Peter, his wife, uh, Ila, which is, Joseph's the lead singer's sister, one of them. Uh, if you get this spiderweb family tree that I'm describing here, Ila is she's this be- like beautiful, kind, soft-hearted aunt that I've known since I moved here, but we never really had a connection about anything. You know, she was always very friendly. Don't get me wrong, I, I adore her, but we never really talked or anything. You know, I don't speak such good German, and she. Uh, made an effort, but you know, it was always very polite and it was very, we just minimally were like, okay, we respect each other, but this isn't, we don't talk so much. She was at the concert and after the break, after I played my solo songs, she was so funny. She was so sweet. I was across the whole room. I was like uh, across like 80 people away from her and she was waving. She stood up in her seat and she was like, Jordan, warte, warte. She's like, wait, 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 Jordan, wait. And she ran up to me and she gave me this big tight hug and like kissed me on the cheek and was like that was so beautiful it was so beautiful you can be so proud you sing so beautiful and I was so charmed by her I was like thank you so much that was so nice of you to say that like finally feeling like what like part of the family you know uh and it was so great and um yeah from the half point on that show was just incredible and I felt very um lucky to be a part of that and I felt so um, special, you know, that's the thing. I felt very special the whole, the whole, uh, weekend. I just, you know, people were so 
nice like that. <laughs> and it felt like for the first time that people were like listening and they enjoyed it that much, you know, like being stopped by people to be told that is just something I haven't felt in years. Um, so that, that was really great. And then we finally had uh, the third show. And the third show was also different because it was just this strange, interesting combination of the first two shows where like it, it was the, of the three, it was the only like specific venue for the arts. So it is a room that is a stage with seating. It, you go there for events and there's a lot of live music there. Um, I think there's also, you know, comedy shows and things like that and little plays. I've been there before to watch uh, this, this group, the Hoyleta Fia, the old one. I've been there to watch them perform uh, as well. Uh, so I've, I, I've also played that stage once, like maybe five or six years ago, me and Tim Hecking played some songs from, uh, the parade EP back, back in the day. I think it was like 2016. So anyway, this was the third place and it was, um, about 15 minutes away. It was the shortest distance and it was, uh, in a town called, a town called Sonthofen, Sonthofen, which is also in the Agway. And, um, this is a much simpler name of a venue. Like in English, it's called the Culture Workshop, the Kulturwerkstatt, Culture Workshop. And um, yeah, I mean, there's it's the place where you roll up and the door is covered in posters of future events. You open the door, walk in, there's a ticket payment with a little cash box and you turn left and boom, there's all your seating and you're looking at a stage and there's lights and there's sound equipment. So it was like a real venue uh, with a bar in the corner so it was this still this combination because it's this old wooden, old small wooden place ran by this older lady named Monica who lives upstairs. And it reminded me of like an actual venue and like this like kind of club, but it was also a bit like a tavern. Everything's very old, made of wood. Everyone kind of knows each other. Uh, and it was also a little bit like the synagogue in the way that it was so cozy and so close that it also felt kind of like a little extra serious. And the reason it also kind of felt like the synagogue was because there were so many important people there. Um, because for those who don't know, Joseph the singer is an extremely well-connected man. He has this big business and he has deals and friendships and partnerships and, and whatever with many, 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 many important people in Germany, uh, especially in this region. So, you know, one of the other like main heads of the other large department of this company um, he must be like in his late eighties, he showed up. He was like this big, you know, like Joseph's dad was the partner with this other guy. And this other guy was there. I was like, well, that's kind of a, you know, the, the, the old King of his side of the business to come. And then there was the, like the CEO of like three or four other companies, like it, it, at the front table in the center, like this, you know, this beer company, um, gave us beer from their table. They like brought their own, uh, bottles to service the band. And, um, I thought that was really crazy. And, um, if brother was there, he's also like now the, 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 he took her dad's place as like the CEO. He has like the most shares of stock of this company and so he was this big deal to have in the back and um, some uh, other family were there and all these it was crazy so it felt like oh wow we're performing for like the the real administrative people now you know 
And, but it was also still this tavern bar feeling. I don't know. It's just hard to explain. And, um, it was also the finale and we were worried at first. I know Yosef was worried for a while that it wasn't going to sell out. He's, he, he can, as confident as he is on stage, it's a little sweet that he can be so insecure occasionally. Um, it's, it's, it's rare, but he, especially with music, with performance, and stuff leading up to shows, he can be very insecure that nobody wants to see it and that nobody will like it and that no one will come. But every show always sells out. And sometimes he plays for crowds of like 2,000 or 3,000 people. So he's kind of naive about it too. I think it's like wishful thinking. Um, Or he hopes maybe it's like reverse psychology. If I I worry that no one will come, it'll be full, which has worked every time. And the third show also sold out. It was about 100 people very full room. It's very, it feels small, but it fits a lot of people. So you have to kind of weave through the little tables. Um, I got to go to the upstairs part, which was nice and, um, use the bath, the, you know, the private bathrooms up there and got to get changed and stuff back there. And each of the three nights I wore the same outfit. I washed it. Don't worry, but I got to wear this beautiful new brown button up shirt that I'm just in love with. I bought it in New Orleans and I'm hooked. Um, I'm in love with it and I wear it for all my concerts. I'm, I wore it last night at this Munich show with the band Pine Grove. I know I did because I washed it on Tuesday. Uh, and I have this, you know, red hat that I wear all the time now that my friend Bruno from the Bruno episode of this podcast, he gave that red hat to me from our movie, Easy Does It. I wear that all the time with it. Brown shirt, you know, super bright red hat. And my black, shiny, brand new Doc Martin loafers. <clears throat> so sexy. These shoes are incredible. I love them. And yeah, so that's been my new uh, concert outfit. So I wore, I wore the, the clothes and um, the stage was set. And everyone was just kind of like, uh, it was almost bittersweet because, hey, we had an, our third back-to-back sold-out concert. Everyone loves the music. Everyone's there to support us, um, and I was so nervous. You can't imagine how nervous I was. It happens every time. I think the whole day to myself, oh, that's cool. Oh, no, the cool show. Nice. Yeah, here we go. And then I get to the point where the, the way that the intro to the show worked was that Yosef would start alone with this song and then bring in people one by one, and I was the last one that he always brought in. And I had to plug my guitar in and tune it really quick and then trying to keep things from taking too long and then sing my line and then play a little solo. And it always just felt like it took forever. And I was always so nervous. And, you know, here we are. It's the last show. We're all kind of like oh, so somber. Uh, we had dinner together. It was a good time. I was personally like I haven't been drinking since I returned from America. So this was my first time having any alcohol. And I was actually kind of beard out like. I could have probably drank like a cocktail or something, but I just, they didn't have it. You know, it was just beer and wine. So I was just kind of like, eh, I don't really want anything. I felt so bloated from it. So I was just, you know, chugging water, sweating through my shirt, pouring down my clothes. So, 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 so gross. And, um, yeah. And it was the same as, as before where, you know, everyone was playing on their A game though. Like everyone was really on top of it. I loved it. I really loved this last show. Um, once I finally got to my solo songs, I stopped sweating. What a surprise. I wasn't nervous anymore. It was just about performing alone. And once that was over, then I really felt, um, confident again and I felt alive again and it was really fun. Uh, hold on. 
Ah, gotta hydrate. Yeah, and we, you know, we took a little break, and then um, I didn't want to go through the crowd because that's the one thing about venues like that, which I don't like, is you have to go through the crowd to get to the bathroom, which means if they enjoyed it, which is great, they're gonna stop you. And I just didn't want to talk to anybody. I wanted to stay in the mental zone of like concert, 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 because uh, you have to get into a headspace for that stuff. And so I held in my pee. Oh boy, did I have to go. And then we went back on stage and played the last half and uh, we got two encores, or as they say here, Tsugabe, Tsugabe, Tsugabe. We had encores every night. It was so much fun. Um, we could have played for hours more. And I told Yosef uh, at the end, I, I genuinely, I thanked him. I said, thank you for bringing me into this. This was really, really like a pleasure and a lot of fun. And he gave me a big hug and he said, no, thank you. You, you and Marcus and Tim, you, you make me this old man. You make me sound good and you really support the songs. And I love this group. And I said, man, the moment that you want to do any more shows, you know, I'm absolutely in. Um, it was, you know, paid shows, good food. Somebody drove us there. It was just the best setup ever. He really took care of us. He's a good band leader. And um, yeah. It was just a real, really, really, really great time. And then it was over. And then that's that's all she wrote, you know. I sold a couple of albums. I think the Hoylita group, I think they sold a lot of albums. I, I hope so. I saw a lot of people um, asking Yosef for autographs. I saw vinyls and CDs being sold. And, uh, yeah, sold out shows every time. It was just a really, like, beautiful, warm, interesting way to get back into concerts, you know. And I felt so prepared for all the other music stuff that's coming up now like what better way to jump into performing than to just literally perform back to back to back and rehearse for it and you know get ready for it because now this week like I said last night I played this concert in Munich I really hope that went well I guess I'll ask myself after the show how that went (laughs) and yeah this Saturday in two days I have to perform like six or seven songs at a wedding um this, uh, uh, my, my sister-in-law, Maria, she's, she's already married, uh, technically, but she's finally having the big party on Saturday. And, uh, you better believe I'm going to wear my brand new sexy Doc Martens shoes. That's why I bought them. That's why I splurged on myself for the wedding. And I got a nice new suit, got it tailored, nice and trimmed to fit me. It's really a, like a special occasion to have all that for me. Um, cause I never look good in suits, but now I, I think I talked about it on the last one. <laughs> I, I got a good suit now. And yeah, I got a lot of songs to play. So I feel prepared. I feel ready. Um, Yeah. So I think it was just the best possible start to getting back into concerts, you know, and I'm very thankful for it. And I appreciate Joseph and the guys. I felt like I built a connection with these guys that I hadn't had. I mean, Tim and Marcus, I was already close with, but I felt like I kind of had this refresh button with the bass player and the drummer and with Joseph, kind of these older guys. I could just kind of like reconnect and feel like, ah, everything's cool. I feel respected. I feel welcomed. Um, and I'm going to keep doing this for a while because it felt good. It felt so good again. And I've already had more offers this year for more shows. And if I wasn't traveling so much for weddings this year, I would probably be playing festivals all summer long, which is great. Did not have the chance, um, to, um, do that for so long now because of, um, uh, Corona, but yeah, that's, you guys know that already. And I think with, with that, I'm going to wrap it up. I'm going to go 
have lunch now with the family, and then I'm going to practice tonight. Uh, I'm going to be playing The Weight from the band. I'm going to be playing Wagon Wheel from Old Crow Medicine Show. No One's Gonna Love You from Band of Horses. Sea of Love from Langhorn Slim. And In Spite of Ourselves from John Prine. So I got to get to practicing. Um, thank you so much for listening. It means a lot to me that you guys spend time with me on here. Uh, you know, as an immigrated American musician here, it's just an absolute blast to be able to talk about these experiences. And uh, it means a lot to me. So if you enjoy this kind of show, please go share it. Go tell it on the mountains. Um, it really helps the show uh, build that algorithm and, you know, make some friends in the comments and share the show around. It really helps people find us. Uh, and it means a lot to me. So thank you so much. I will let you know next week how the Munich concert went. And until then, take care of yourselves. I love you very much. Bye-bye. What a wonderful episode. If you enjoyed today's episode and you like our show, please go to Apple Podcasts, give us a subscription or a review or a comment. It really helps new listeners find our show. You can also follow us on Instagram at Artsy Fartsy Immigrants. We're also now on Facebook and on YouTube and on Twitter at Fartsy Artsy. No, at Artsy Fartsy Pod. <laughs> we changed it at Artsy Fartsy Pod. So, uh, yes, and if you want to financially support the show, you can go to patreon.com slash jordanprince and where you can submit for as low as $3 a month some money to help us get this show bigger and better just for you. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next week. Look out, baby, the saints are coming through. And it's all over now. Artsy Farsi Immigrants, ein Podcast von John Prince und Moritz Batscheider, produziert für M94.5.